What a great honor that is. For the word to be made flesh. It was um, an overwhelming thing 2,000 years ago. But it's still just as overwhelming today. It's being born again in human beings. Let's turn together to the book of Ruth, if you would, today. Lord willing, tomorrow night we'll be having uh, question answers for the youth uh, back at the Thompson Center up at Emmanuel School of Religion be at 6.30. Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. Actually, Boaz was Ruth's redeemer, but Obed was Naomi's redeemer. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life. So he's not talking about Boaz, but talking about worshiper. Worshiper. That's what Obed means. That's my name. Anybody else in here that's your name? And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And boy, was it going to be. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. Oh my goodness, I thought it was born to Ruth. But now remember, the Leverett law was that when the husband died, one would take it, and then a child being born would be called theirs. So notice, there's a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Worshipper Obed. He is the father of Jesse. The father of the biggest holy roller that was ever in Israel. So I guess that worshiper name actually had an influence upon his grandson. In God's ways. So wonderful. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you so much today. Father, we ask that you would come in this place, sanctified with your presence. While we are gathered here, it is set aside as a place of worship, of prayer, of songs. Dear God, we ask today that you would speak to us. May your presence arrest each heart. Bring us into your great August courts today, Father, that 
we also can find our purpose. Who would have ever thought little Ruth would have turned into such a character? Father, we pray that you would help us. We know more than likely we'll never be like her. But what we want to be is we want to be what you made us to be. Nothing more, nothing less. Speak to us today from your word, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So Naomi takes the child into her arms and embraces the child. As I saw one of our grandmothers just a few minutes ago setting out on one of these sofas with her grandchild in her arms. It was worth more to her than a whole bundle of gold. It was just the expression beaming off of what that child meant. And as great as our sister's grandchild was, for Naomi to be able to hold a grandchild like this, it must have been something so tremendous. Because remember, she had not long ago had been one that was so bitter, so resentful. She had such an attitude against God. Because God, she said, had brought her back home empty. Of course, it wasn't God. It was not God that led her husband to leave. We know when the Jew leaves Palestine, they're backslid. Whenever we leave our promised land, we're backslid as well. But this empty one is now sitting here with this child. The naming of the children in that day was much different than the way we name ours, of course. They didn't go online and find the most popular baby names and... uh, be able to, you know, try to look in the baby named book and sort through it. And sometimes I hear the names that people put on their kids and I think, what were they thinking? Anyway, that's another subject. But they looked at the background. They looked at the miracle of the birth. They would look at several different factors and they would name it from that didn't even necessarily mean that anybody in the family had that name. Nobody that we know of had been named this before. But the women, notice it wasn't the mother and the father that even named this child. And it wasn't even Naomi. That it would have to be, of course, upon their approval. But it was as as if though the women had moved under this inspiration and that God allowed them to get a name that would be very fitting to what this boy was going to be. So verse 17 says, And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. So Obed would bring great blessings to Bethlehem. He would bring great blessings to this part of the country, which so far had not been very renowned and very great. Little did they know the great things that would come from this child. And it's it's amazing to me because Elimelech's name had almost died. Malon's name, Chilion, all of that whole lineage there had almost died. But God in his grace 
had given them a redeemer. So God is going to make this name live through the lineage of Obed. Now they knew according to Genesis 49 that Shiloh was going to come through the tribe of Judah. But there were many families in the tribe of Judah. So they didn't know which family that it was. So it could have been from this family, that family, that family, because Judah was basically a tribe, and out from under that tribe could have come many families. Even David himself wasn't sure until God revealed it to him that this Messiah would come out of David's own lineage. Little would Ruth, as a Gentile, had known that God would have brought her in. And yet we know that it was actually through David that much of the fame and the position would have been given through this Obed, Obed uh, on down, on down to Jesse, and then on down to David. And we know that David was one of the great men of the Old Testament. David was a type of man that whether he had a sling in his hand or a sword in his hand or a harp in his hand or a songbook, he was a great man. You know, many people are not very versatile when it comes to God. They, they want to give God their money, but they don't want to give God their heart. And then some want to give God their praise, and they don't want to give Him their billfold. So, you know, myself, I, I just want Him to have everything I've got. That way, if He can use any of it, then just take it, Lord. And if there's anything left for me, well, so be it. And if not, you just use what you want. And David was that type of a man to where that whether he had a sling in his hand or a sword in his hand or if he had a harp and he could beautifully make music and then he would also have a psalm book in his hand. No matter what he had in his hand, he wanted to be able to give it to God. Don't you want to be that way today? And no wonder that he was a man after God's own heart. A man that would give everything that God had given to him and he would simply turn around and give it back. You see, many of you are searching. You're under a a conquest today. You're looking for what God wants you to be and what God has allowed for you to be. And yet many people go many years of their life and they search and they search and they waste a lot of it and they're looking. It's like they're on this quest for something that is so deep or so profound or something like that. And for many of us, we might as well accept the fact, for most of us, it'll never be that. It'll just be, we'll be simple people that love the Lord, we'll live right, we'll go to church, we'll do what we're supposed to do. And we think that's not great, but it is very great. That's right, because we're fulfilling what God has called us to be. And yet, there are people like David that's very unusual. They fit into the program of God in a very special way. But we know that God had chosen this man. Now, some would say, well, God chose him because God foresaw what he would be, and then God predestinated him that way. Well, I I lean toward the other side of foreknowledge and predestination. I believe that God absolutely knew, of course, what we would do. But I think what makes people different is not so much that God looks at me and he looks at you and he knows you'll be such a great person and I'll be such a great person and then God picks us because we'll be a great person I honestly don't think there are any great people in the earth I think we're all lost without God there's no hope for us without the mercy of God and if there's any greatness about us it's because he gave it to us 
So, you know, I, I love this, this little book of Ruth because it contains the slowly unfolded mystery of God. It takes on a different face. It takes on different names than we can find in the other books. But the little book of Ruth, it's, it's a book of mystery and it closes with 10 generation genealogy. Now listen to this, it closes with 10 generation genealogy which climaxes with the name David. Now what's amazing about this is because there's a parallel to this from the book of Leviticus and also the book of Deuteronomy in that a Moabitess or a Moabite male or female, which would come into the presence of God, they could not even be allowed into the presence of the Lord for ten generations. So it would be your children, your grandchildren, your great, your great, your great, your great, your great, on down to ten generations before they would ever be allowed into the presence of God. But we so underestimate the grace of our Lord. And the book of Ruth actually climaxes with a mentioning of ten generations and it ends with who? The psalmist David. So David was the tenth generation that had sprang from a Moabitish woman. Now according to the law, they could none of them prior to that come into the presence of God until it would have come down to the tenth generation. But the grace of God had opened up and allowed this Gentile woman to be a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Now, let us read, if we can, in Ruth chapter 4, verse 18, and watch the mention now of the generations. Now, these are the generations of Pharez. Pharez begat Hezron. Hezron begat Ram. And Ram begat Amenadab. And Abinadab begat Nashon. And Nashon begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz. And Boaz begat Obed. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David. Now, I love that when we see what the grace of God is able to take people that even sometimes the elect of God wouldn't have nothing to do with them because they're all scarred and they're all wounded and they come from a really bad background. But when I read about the genealogy of the Lord Jesus and see who he allowed, and the book of Matthew as we'll look in it in a moment, of the five women that are mentioned by name, four of them are Gentiles. And they come with a bad name, a bad background, and only one of them was a Jew, which is amazing that Matthew would use these women instead of Abraham's wife, Sarah, and Rebecca, and Leah, and yet Matthew did not choose to go that way. Notice this, I found this in studying on this, that one of the writers said it this way. We have a delightful ending to the book of Ruth, which contrasts greatly with its beginning. It began with remorse. It ends with rejoicing. It began with death, but it ends with life. It began with dishonor to God, but it ends with honor for God. It began as a cloudy, stormy day, threatening to devour the people involved in the book. But it ends with the sun shining brightly, 
Hallelujah. And we love books that end this way. But we need to note that the good conclusion of the book of Ruth has to do with the good conduct of some of the people that are found written in the book of Ruth. Now truly we believe in the sovereignty of God, do we not? And that God has many, many times over intervened when his people would have messed things up so bad it would have been beyond redemption. But we know God also coincides what we must do along with his own sovereignty. He will never do what we're supposed to. He will never ask us to do what he's supposed to. But he actually wants us to merge together. And when we do that, it will accomplish what he wants. You believe that? So God will never do what God wants Donnie Reagan to do. And God will never ask Donnie Reagan to do what God himself is the only one who can do. So my journey in life then is to be able to find where my fine line is. That I'm supposed to stay on this side of that line and do what God has called me to do and believe him to do what I cannot do. Let's read if you would in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas. Now this is the New Testament form, Greek of course, of Judah. Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Perez and Sarah of Thamar, which is the Greek equivalent of Tamar in the Old Testament. And Perez begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram, and Aram begat Amenadad, and Amenadad begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz of... Oh, no. Rechab, which is the equivalent to... Rahab of the Old Testament. Oh my goodness, so you mean that Boaz's mother was Rahab? Well, no wonder he had a problem with marrying a Gentile. He was raised by one. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. You all ready? This is going to get gooder. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, so Boaz's mother was Rahab. So there was sinfulness in the identification of four of these women, and all four of them were Gentiles. Tamar and Rahab were Canaanites. Ruth was a Moabitess. Bathsheba was also a Canaanite. So we see according to Matthew in the lineage of the Lord Jesus are blots on his human origin. So here the, the origin of our Lord Jesus genealogy and the natural birth, you understand, the flesh line, that it was blotted by bad women. Now, as I've been looking at this for the last several weeks, 
And I've been studying on these women and realizing that it was one Gentile woman after another Gentile woman looking back even at Joseph whenever he married Asenath, which was an Egyptian. And seeing on down through the Bible the slowly unfolded mystery of God, but the mystery of the Gentiles was hid in the women and not in the men. And as I began to read it, I think I just realized it for the first time, that there were no Gentile men which foreshadowed Christ in the type. But they were all Jewish, glory, all Jewish men, but married to Gentile women. So it wasn't that he got this Gentile man, that Gentile man, that Gentile man, and said, you be a type for me. But he did get Gentile women and said, you be a type for my wife. Amen. So he had to come in the proper lineage and be born that way. So here now we have a view of a different woman, and we all are familiar with her, and her name is Rahab. But let us take a little different approach to her this morning, can we? We have time for that. Joshua chapter 2 verse 1. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came unto the harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Now, the spies wouldn't have felt as, as conspicuous and we'll say as obvious by going to a woman like this. Now, according to archaeological digs, they have found in the ancient ruins of uh, this, this city, which is one of the oldest cities on the earth, actually Jericho, and they found that there were two walls. And these walls, uh, they, it's been rebuilt several times, but they would vary from 12 feet to 20 feet thick. So it would be 12 feet to 20 feet thick. And it also had two of these walls. Then at the top of the inner wall, they would have these gigantic wooden beams. And they would span from one to the other. And people would build their houses up on the top of that wall. Now this is where Rahab lived. She lived on the top part of the wall, which is a very fitting place for the book of Joshua, Mossad. Now, for those of you that don't know what the Mossad is or Shen Bet, this are the FBI of Israeli government. So the Mossad is a secret government. Actually, whenever we were there several years ago, our guide was a, was a, a Mossad man. So one day we had to delay our tour of Israel because uh, the Mossad had sneaked into Iran and broke into their, their, one of their uh, places where they had all these uh, nuclear technologies and all that stuff. So they sneaked in and got some information and got back out. And our guide had to be included on this update of what they'd done. So it put our tour a little bit late that, that morning. So here was this version of the, Mos- the Mossad or the Shin Bet. So they had come in undercover. Now, they've come in because Joshua has, has been led of the Spirit of God and they're fixing to take their land. And notice Joshua learned something uh, by what Moses had done. And remember, Moses chose spies out of every tribe. And it was the ten of those spies that come back with a bad report. So Joshua feels instead of getting all them voices and all them opinions, that he's going to get two men. He's going to get only two. 
Now, he's going to send them two men there. He doesn't really need to know this to confirm what God has said. I firmly believe with all of my heart, this is not so much an information visit as it is a seed deposit visit. It is a quickening time visit. Amen. Now she is going to tell them for sure some very encouraging things, but Joshua is already the man. Now remember what, how many knows what the name Joshua means in the Hebrew? Jehovah Savior. This is the Jesus of the Old Testament. So the Jesus of the Old Testament sends two preachers down into a land to be able to bring a harlot into the way of God. Now, Rahab was an Amorite. The Amorites were some of the worst people in all the land of Canaan. They were so heathen. They actually worshipped idols, polytheistic, so they worshipped idols and many gods. And they actually offered their children as live sacrifices to many of these idols. God spoke so vehemently against the Amorite people. So she's got a lot going against her to begin with. And at the same time, she is a prostitute. But yet, somehow or another, these men of the Mossad, God has a strange way of connecting things, don't he? So God connects two men of the Mossad to a woman which is a prostitute. But think about it. This woman would have had the reputation of getting men in her house all the time. So men would have come and gone, come and gone, come and gone. So they feel like that it would be a place to where they wouldn't be quite, you know, as identified and maybe quite as unusual because going to her house would have been something that would have been quite common for men to come and go. Thank God these men were not like some of the message preachers that we know. They would have wound up in the wrong business with this woman. But these men had come to save her. Well, praise the Lord. Well, don't sit there and look embarrassed like you know what I'm talking about. We can't, we can't point our finger at no other religion. Our message has got some of the trash and some of the same nonsense that the rest of it has. Why? Because we've got people that ain't born again. Now, notice in verse 2, it was told to the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. Now, you're thinking, this is the major city on the forefront of where you come in. It is absolutely essential that Joshua take Jericho. Now, I'll just brief this, save some of the history of it. But now they've come over as they cross Jordan, and they've come into Gilgal. Now, remember, the young children of the younger generation had not been Circumcised. So before they're going into a possession, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the God commands that the young generation be circumcised. They've actually been out of covenant relationship with Jehovah for years. They've got hundreds and hundreds of younger generation people that have not been circumcised, which according to the law of God given to Abraham is the covenant that they believe what God said. So you've got all these young men, 15, 16, 8, 20, 35, 40. You've got all of them there, and none of them had been circumcised. And yet they're Jews, and yet they've none of them been circumcised. Why? Because their parents had let down on what the law taught them. And yet they're following the prophet, really? Well, that's showing what the prophet taught. 
So before God is going to allow them to go into their possession, in the place called Gilgal, as we said in English, which is Gilgal in the Hebrew, they go there and they, they, they recircumcise or circumcise afresh those which have not been circumcised. This is a new beginning. What does Jordan signify? Death. So now they've crossed over death, are on their way into the avenue of a new birth and type, and once they get there, they become circumcised and circumcised is a type of the Holy Ghost. So now they've been born again, as we'd say in type, and they're going into their promised land. And Jericho is right there. It is a major, major city as you cross Jordan. Now the Spirit of God, of course, will not let them go around it. He will not let them go above it. They must take it. It must be taken. And the sooner you and I recognize the things in our life that are hindering us and we work around them, well, I'll go up here and take this one and I'll go up there and take that one. You might as well start right here at Jericho, knock it out first, and then go on and take the rest of it. Because what you find, you'll find things in your life, and many of us, if we're not careful, will selectively pick out the cities that we think we can conquer and leave some of these other things in our life. Well, I'll do it whenever I get stronger. I'll do it when I get better. You're better off to go ahead and face that Jericho right now. Whenever you cross over Jordan, you get circumcised, go ahead and roll your sleeves up. Let's do it and get over with it. Now what? So the Lord is going to move. Now whenever the king recognizes, you know, and you come back to this and you think, what was it that was so different about these two men? Now this woman, of course, had men coming and going all the time in her house and the city of Jericho was the largest city around there and the only one in this particular vicinity. So if you bought, if you sold, whatever you done, you come to Jericho. It was just like a Walmart out in the middle of nowhere. And it was a super Walmart. So whatever you wanted, you went to Jericho to get it. So what was it about these men that stuck out different from everybody else? So they're in town one day. They're in town one day and the message already comes back to the king. Well, they're on high alert because the message has already come across the river that these holy rollers is fixing to come into town and Jericho is fixing to be shut down. (laughs) That's exactly what a Holy Ghost meeting does too. Notice in verse 3, And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came, sure enough, there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. I didn't know who they were, so I I just told them to go on. Now remember, she has only heard a little portion about God. She don't know very much about his law. She doesn't know anything about his standards. And to the heathen, lying was not a sin. I know it's hard to believe. We still got a bunch of heathens in the world today, don't we? We got a bunch of them running the White House and, you know, everywhere else. Uh, so to, so to, to them, lying was, was not a deal. So, you know, she, she, uh, she'll tell us in a few minutes what she's heard about God, but she knows nothing about his law, nothing about his traits, his characteristics. So it's not that God is condoning her lie. So didn't, don't get that in your mind. Well, okay, Rahab lied, so I guess it's okay for me to lie. No, it's, it's her knowledge of what she understands about God at this present time. 
Now, so humanly speaking, what Rahab is fixing to do, she's going to put her life and the life of her family and her sisters and her brothers and whoever else is there, she's going to put them on the line by taking up for these two preachers. Now think about what she's doing. She is the one who is now an inhabitant of Jericho. These men, she is now going to put her line and her family's life on the line and she's going to take up for them. Boy, something's really happened to her already, ain't it? So humanly speaking, you'd think that she would have been loyal to her city, her king. Now, this may seem a little bit unusual to you, but during this time frame, these are actually city-states. So it's not like that this king was a king over a great vast empire, but it was called a city-state. So this king was the king over Jericho only. You go to another city, he'd be the king over that city. So her loyalty, you'd think, would have been to her king, to her people. This is where she got her sustenance. This is where she made her living. But instead of that, she is identified with these two holy roller preachers. She repudiated her identity of her family and her nationality. But you see, true faith cannot stay hidden very long. It'll have to manifest itself. Now, notice this. She would have been killed as a traitor if they would have caught them. Now, remember where they are. It's not like to turn this underground tunnel somewhere. They're laying on the roof among the flax, which is laid out on the roof to dry. Now remember during this time frame, the average house was about 1,200 square feet, basically four rooms. It would have a courtyard in the middle, and then it would have also, all, all the houses then had flat roofs, and the hip roofs and all that sort of thing we have today. And they would actually in the cool of the day, they'd go up there because it's very hot. They would go up there and they would eat their afternoon meal. They would lay there. It's a very cool place to rest. Some of them would actually sleep there in the nighttime. And they would lay their grain out there because of the heat during the day, and they would let it So what she did was she took these two preachers and she laid them among the flax rods. So the flax was laying out and she laid them among them. Now all they would have had to do was come into this uh, four-room house and they found the one there and then go up on the roof, which is a common thing, and they would have found them right there. They would have killed her, her mother, her father, her brothers. Everyone would have been dead. Isn't it amazing what faith does? That faith is able to recognize that God's word is true and willing to give our life for it. Is that right? How many feels that way today? Now, it came to pass, verse 5 says, about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I I went not. Now, notice she's just lying. (laughs) My goodness. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. And she brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid on the, an order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them. So here they go. They're taking the word of a lying prostitute. Right? And they pursue after them the way to Jordan under the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she come up unto them upon the roof. And she said, 
unto the men. I know that the Lord has given you the land. Now how did she know? I know. I want you to I want you to pay attention to this. She doesn't say I guess. I'm thinking. I'm properly deducting and it looks like to me that you all might be how did this prostitute, a liar, prostitute, amorite, heathen, how did she know what the children of Israel did not believe five, 40 years prior to this? Something was going on with it. It's because something had went in. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the secret name of God. Where did she hear this? Now, the name Jehovah, as you know, is not the real name. It's JVHU. So they put the vows in it and call it Jehovah. The Jew, you'll never get a Jew, even to this day, to say that name without the vows being in there. It's too sacred. It's too holy. You look on any Jewish website and you'll find G, no O, D. They just won't pronounce it that way. It's too sacred. So where did she hear this name? That was a secret. But the things which are revealed belong to his seed. Amen. I know that the Lord hath given you the land. You know what, what I marvel about this woman is? That she, to speak of the future, as if the past is already fulfilled was the way the Hebrew prophets talked. To speak of the future as if though something in the past, a promise that had been made in the past and to talk like it had already happened, that was the way the prophets talked. Where did she get this ability to talk like the prophets. She'd never heard one. She'd never seen one. Amen. Don't you understand? This is one thing that separates the bride from the church is that the bride can take a future promise and call those things that are not as though they are. You see what she's doing? She's talking like Abraham. She's talking, so she's talking, taking a promise that God made. I'm going to give you. Where did she hear this at? Well, she had a lot of men coming through. No doubt they had a lot of gossip going on. Now remember, Jericho would have been like a hub of this part of the Mediterranean area. So it would have been a place that 
a gathering of news. Keep in mind, they didn't have WhatsApp, they didn't have text and email and phone and all that. So you imagine as the people would come in and there'd be traders in the caravans from Egypt and there would be caravans from Babylon and from the different places and they would merge and they would exchange goods. Not only did they exchange goods, but they would exchange news. So what's going on up in your part of the world? Uh, who's king in Babylon now? And, and well, what's going on over in the land of Egypt? And how's the grain? And how's this and that? So they would meet and they would talk. You imagine there's some of them as they gathered in there and said, Hey, have you all heard the latest across the river? They said, What, what, what river are you talking about? Euphrates? Tigris? No, Faison? No. No, I'm talking about Jordan. Have you all heard that move that's going on over there? They tell me that God of theirs has absolutely done some of the most phenomenal things that's ever been. So here they'd come and they'd all talk about it. And, and, and there's a little Rahab with a predestinated seed down inside of her soul. And she'd hear about how Og of Bashan, and she would hear of what God had done of opening up the Red Sea, and God had fed them on manna for 40 years, and on and on and on. And all of this she had heard, and faith comes by, and hearing by the word of God. So no doubt all these guys wasn't preachers that come through, but this was some of the news. And to them, they may have told it and lied about it. Can you believe there's people that believe God can do that? Can you believe there's people that does this and that and other? And maybe should lay down at night and think about the lifestyle she was living and think of the type of person that she was and think, oh, if there's a living God out there somewhere, I know he could do something for me. I know there's got to be more than just living the way I'm living. Aren't you glad he got a hold of you the same way? You can tell by the way she's talking that she has already heard of this great person. And someone must have dropped his name along the way. The name that Abraham called him by. She said unto them, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us. Your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because not of your God, but because of you. I find this so amazing because this is what the land thought about them, but this is not what they thought about themselves. Remember, 40 years prior to this, they said, we are like grasshoppers. But their terror and their fear had already gripped this land and gripped the inhabitants. Let me just tell you tonight, every one of you Holy Ghost-filled saints, let me tell you, in this hour of darkness of Laodicea, in the night time when it has never been so dark, it has never been so wretched. 
Every devil in hell is terrified of you. Now, of course, they don't want you to believe that. They want you to be afraid of this and that and the other. And our old humanity, we all know how it is. We have to deal with fear, do we not? But the truth of it is the inhabitants of every demon and everything that's going on in this land is scared to death that one day you will recognize who you are. And if you ever recognize who you are, you'll realize miracles and signs and supernatural will not just be something that happens once every six months. It'll be so common to us, we'll look for it every day of our life. We'll look for the sick. Hallelujah. And we won't just believe that it has to be the preacher that lays hands on the sick. But if mama's got a baby that's sick at night and it's got a fever, that mama can lay her hands on that child and the fever will leave that child. Daddy can pray over his little children and the sickness will leave him as he mentions the name of Jesus Christ. Now remember, she had no Bible. She had no tapes, no preachers, no church. I want you to notice what God had told Moses in Exodus fifteen fifteen. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab trembling shall take a hold upon them and all the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Melt away and she is quoting this as if though it has already come to pass you see that's why a person who's got all kinds of symptoms of a certain sickness or a disease in their body and they deal with the pain and the anxiety and the stress of it but they can look beyond that with the eye of faith and say, by his stripes, I am already healed. And I've got that well body right in front of me and I'm gonna walk until I step into it. I'm calling those things that are not as though they already are. I know, Rahab said. How many of you here today can say, I know. You got a sickness, a disease in your body. Can anybody say, I know I'm going to be healed. I know I'm going to be delivered. I know my family's coming in. I know my husband's coming in. I know my children are coming in. I know the backsliders are coming back to God. I'm calling it as if though it is already. Exodus 23, 27. I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. Not you turn your back to them. All of the armor that God gave you ain't one speck of it on your back. And I've looked and looked and re-looked and re-looked and all the issue that I got from my Lord as far as my embattlement and my armament and I have not to this day ever yet found a white flag of surrender in my pack. So apparently I'm not supposed to surrender. 
I'm not to turn my back and run from the devil. But according to what the Bible says, submit yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you're running from the devil, you need to turn this thing around. I said you need to turn this thing around. And you need, as a believer, to say, Satan, out of here. In the name of Jesus, out of here. Out of my body. Out of my family. Out of my life. Hallelujah. She had such a full assurance of faith while thousands and thousands of Israelites staggered in unbelief. As a matter of fact, Rahab said, the conquest is as good as over. And I put this down yesterday. Rahab went around singing, It's already done. Y'all were singing that a while ago, right? It's already done. (laughs) How can it be? She's talking like the prophets. Notice in verse 10, Joshua 2.10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you come out of Egypt, now remember when was this? Day before yesterday? 40 years ago. And what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. And I'm not sure who the we is in this verse. But I know it wasn't everybody in Jericho. And I know it wasn't all the Amorites. So the we must have been her and her family. And you see, some people want to act as if though we as bride have the ability to make other people bride. Well, I'm claiming this one, that one, that one. They're going to be bride because I say so. There's only one person that could do that, and that's God. So her family not only was just there, and they lived any way they wanted to, and then they just was there. You know, they just kind of there, and because she believed they all went with her, there was a we going on. Well, praise the Lord. We. You imagine us that sat around at night and that talk about it. Miracles that had happened 40 years ago. They hadn't even seen one themselves. She had never seen a miracle. But still rejoicing over what God done 40 years ago. Our hearts didn't melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Because... Not of the angels, not of the cherubims, and not because of God, but because of you. For the Lord, your God, He is God in heaven. 
believes. This is not Amorite theology. This is not Hittite theology. They believed in a multiplicity of gods. They had many, many gods. They believed there was gods of the mountains, gods of the valleys, gods of the hills. I'm so glad I just got one. No matter what I'm going through, he's with me all the time, everywhere, anytime I'm there. Oh my, so they believed in so many gods, but she come with the crowding of this revelation and said, your God, notice, she makes him so personal. He was not an impersonal being that didn't care, but the Lord, your God. He's not just Lord, but he's God. The Lord, your God, is God of the heavens. They believed there was many gods. A God of the heaven, a God of the earth, a God of this corner, a God of that cornfield, a God of that, that, that bean field. But they, she said, I have come to the place. I've recognized your God is God over everything. Wow. Where did she get this? For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and earth beneath. You see, God made Moses this promise too. Deuteronomy 11, 25, to give to the children of Israel. There shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land. And you shall tread upon as he has said unto you. And the people of Canaan were scared to death of the Israelites. And a lot of the Israelites were scared to death of the Canaanites. Now, not because God told them to be, but because of their own human fear. I hate fear. I hate fear. I'm not talking about the fear of God now. I'm talking about my human fears. Anybody got them beside me? Of course you do. I hate it. I hate it. It's not natural for us as the children of God to experience the type of fear and trauma that we deal with in this life. I hate it. It paralyzes us. You know how it is whenever God will do something for you and sometimes your own fear will make you afraid to turn in a testimony. If you testify about it, you'll get it back again next week. Because you know sister so-and-so did. You better not do it. The Lord healed you. Oh, you better not say nothing about it. Because if you do, I'll, get, I'll come right back and I'll do it again. And men said, well, maybe I'll wait for six months. Maybe I'll wait for a month. You need to testify. But Brother Donnie, what if it comes back? Keep right on testifying. It's only the devil trying to take back what God gave you. Amen. Amen. Oh, notice this. How could such a woman, now in verse 12, she says, now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house. And give me a true token. I know the Bible says it's a cord, but Carol just didn't happen to have a cord in her sewing room. So I figured this ribbon would do. Where did she hear these words? A true token. God knew thousands of years later he would give his prophet 
a sermon to preach called a token. And he needed a text thousands of years old to be able to refer back to. And who was it that it was referred back to? A Gentile. So a Gentile goes to mention it about a true token. Thank you for replacing my token. <laughs> Give me a true token. Now notice the word that she uses here. She says, she asks, if I have showed you kindness, will you show kindness? The, the Hebrew word is hesed. It's used 200 and over 250 times in the Old Testament. And it means loyal, steadfast, faithful love based on a promise, an agreement, or a covenant. I'll tell you one thing. If we didn't believe women couldn't preach, I'd have her to preach for us next week. <laughs> this woman had some understanding. She's a heathen Gentile. What? She said, I've helped you. Now I need your help. Hebrews 11.31, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believe not when she had received the spies with peace. James 2.25, likewise also was not the harlot, the Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Let me tell you this, friends. Rahab did not receive a second-class salvation. She got first class all the way. Amen. Included in it was revelation. Included in it was a token. Included in it was a position of faith that was equal to anything any Jewish woman ever had, including Jezebel, Moses' own mother. God gave her to be a part of that noble line by which Christ the Messiah would be born after the flesh. Notice in verse 13, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, our life for yours. I would to God every message preacher. This was the basis of why he preaches. I wish this was the basis of why every evangelist, every pastor, every preacher preaches. And he's willing to put himself in this position. If he did, we'd be a lot better off. They were saying to her, God hold us responsible. If anything happens to you. Let me just tell you today, friends, I'm not here because of my health. I'm not here as a preacher because I wanted to be. I didn't want to be years ago when God called me. I still don't want to be today. But I am because I want to obey him. I'm not doing it because of fame. You know me well enough to know that. I'm not doing it because I think it's a good thing to do. But I know that when I stand before God that day, I will have to give an account of what I've preached. Believe me, the visible audience that you see in our assembly is a very small portion of those who follow this ministry. 
I'm not talking about just me. I'm talking about the ministry of the church, the ministry of Brother Darrell, the ministry of these other brothers that are here. It's not my motive, my objective for you to follow me, to look at me. I realize when I stand before you or where I stand around the world and preach, I will be held accountable. And I say this to you today as your shepherd. If I tell you anything wrong, may God hold me accountable. And as I follow Christ the word, you follow me. And as long as I stay in his footsteps, it'll lead you right straight to the gates of paradise. <laughs> this is why with all of my heart, I can give my soul support to the message of the hour. Because I see behind, oh my, behind this man a trail of millions of people that are not following a Kentuckian from down there in Kentucky, not too far from where Harry and I was born and raised. What I see is a man surrendered to God that had brought a message at the end time. And I believe has brought to us also a true token at the end time. Oh, you say, what if he's wrong? If he's wrong, God will hold him responsible for it, not me and you. So we follow it with all of our hearts. Amen. My life for yours. Hallelujah. You imagine as they stood there, we are responsible for you, Rahab. We will not allow you to die. The men answered her, our life for yours. If you utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us this land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Literally in the Hebrew, this is our souls in the place of yours. You will not Then she let them down, verse 15, by cord through the window. For her house was upon the town wall. So after they preach the token message, they leave. Now, I'm not sure that I can say I understand how a woman with a cord, could stand up on the top of a window and a man would grab a hold of that cord and put all of his weight and that one would, would stand up on the top there. Uh, uh, hurry, hurry, hurry. And then another one grabs a hold of it and goes down and she sure don't want him to fall because his name Her future husband. (laughs) Glory be to God. She she liked that other brother. He was a good brother, but boy, she really fell in love with Salmon. 
Now I imagine she probably thought he wouldn't even give me the time of day. He wouldn't have nothing to do with me. Little did she know that God had already given her, hallelujah, an identification with Salmon before the foundation of the world. And through her, God would bring forth a line of the tribe of Judah out of a prostitute. She said unto them, get you to the mountain lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourself there three days until the pursuers be returned and afterwards you may go your way. And the men said unto her, we will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind the line of scarlet thread in the window which thou lettest us down by. Now what if she said, you know what? I really don't think that's all required. Everybody in the city is going to see this. They already think I'm a red light woman anyway. I mean, what are they going to think now? This is some kind of new sign? Yeah, it was a new sign. It was a new sign that she had been changed. She had heard messengers from the Lord God himself. Praise the Lord. Oh my, thou shalt bring thy father, thy mother, thy brethren, and all thy father's house home unto thee. Oh, you imagine the position of the house now. It's on the city wall. So anybody that would come by the city wall, you know, they're looking and saying, what in the world? That's the strangest looking clothesline I've ever seen. She ain't got no, that person ain't got no clothes on that clothesline. Well, I've never seen a clothesline that was scarlet color before. If you, well, no, we generally make ours out of hemp and it's kind of an ivory color, you know. Well, what in the world? These people of Jericho, they are some of the strangest people I've ever seen. And the wind would come by, people come and go, the caravans out of Egypt. They wonder what that is. The caravans from Mesopotamia, what in the world is that? Every day, every day. She said, now, wait a minute. Uh, I want to be a secret believer. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to fold it up and pack it in my pocket. And that's what I done when I sat at that table. And I wasn't sure if I was going to get this far in my sermon today. So instead of laying it on my, on my iPad, I just stuck it inside my pocket. And I thought, well, if I get this far, I'll reach down my pocket and drag it out. Well, what if she just said, I'm going to put this in my purse. And I love the Lord with all of my heart. And I believe every word that he said. If you believe every word he said, then the token will be on display. And guess what? It don't just work on Sunday morning at the Holiday Inn. It works everywhere else that you are during the week. It should be on display on vacation. It should be on display at college, at the high school, wherever you are. Put it on display, children. Let people know that you serve a living God. And you're not ashamed of Him. You see, the Lord God is fixing to do something real special. Verse 19, it says, It shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into this street, 
His blood shall be upon his head. And we will be guiltless. So here we are at the time when the walls of Jericho are fixing to come tumbling down. And we got folks leaving the message. What a time to leave. We're so close, you can almost see the lights of home. And people are walking away now. So close that you could kiss the door to heaven and turn now and walk away. Notice the only safe place was in the place where the token was displayed. In the place they heard the message. Well, it's just as good over here and over yonder and over yonder and over yonder. Where the message is being preached is where your safety is. Oh, I want you to notice this. The prophet said Joshua, a perfect type of Jesus, was true to his token sign that his messengers had preached. Joshua, when he said that, he said, don't touch that house or anything in it. It's reserved to the Lord. A Gentile, a harlot, a streetwalker. But she heard and believed and she applied the token. No matter how stooped you are in sin or what you've done, that doesn't have anything to do. You apply that token. It's for you. Now God, before he's fixing to move, in Joshua chapter 5 verse 10, the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. Ah, I see. So they're keeping the Passover before they go in. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover. Unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. Now this no doubt was found in the storehouses of the people that just run off. God had prepared a table before them in the presence of their enemies. <laughs> they was eating corn. They didn't have to grow. I like it when God makes the devil feed you, don't you? Notice, it's a sign. Oh, glory to God. For 40 years, 40 years, they've eaten manna. But now they've come into a dispensational change. The productivity of the land, their land. They're not just going to live on mama's experience and daddy's experience. This is why some people are not doing very good spiritually right now. They've, they, they've got to a spot to where, well, I've lived under Brother Donnie. I've lived under Brother Darrell. I've lived under this one. God wants you to have productivity in your own walk. I told you years and years ago, if you don't have a prayer life, you don't read your Bible, you're going to die spiritually. Why? God don't want you to live in from Sunday to Wednesday, from Wednesday to Sunday, from youth service to youth service, but God wants you living on the productivity of your land, of your land, your walk with God. Listen to this. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the self same. So this was the first time that eating food of the crops 
of the land. Now on the morrow, which is after the wave sheaf is offered, they couldn't eat no fresh grain. After that, Feast of Unleavened Bread ended on the 21st of Abib at even. Exactly 40 years to the day. Exodus twelve forty. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt for 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years, even the self same day, it came to pass all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. And this day that they were now in Gilgal was 40 years to the day. Glory to God. I believe we marched around this mountain long enough. Now listen, what happened next in verse 12? And I'm going to close. Joshua 5, 12. And the manna ceased. On the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. So imagine now for 40 years they've eaten it. And now they go in and they take these cities and they find corn and they find dried fruits and they find all this grain. And God says, I miraculously fed you until now. Now I want you to start eating of the productivity of this land. Praise God. So they ate parched corn they ate dried fruits, seeds, nuts, and so on. And the very next day, don't misunderstand this when I say this. You understand that by the old covenant, that whenever God gave them the manna, that the manna kept Shabbat. Manna would not fall from heaven on the seventh day. So the manna kept the Sabbath. So on the sixth day, Oh, glory. On the sixth day, they'd take in a double dose. One for Friday, one for Saturday. The Sabbath, of course, being on Saturday. So the manna would not fall on that day. It was a holy day. Amen. So what is the manna doing when they're coming into the land? It starts Sabbath. Amen. Why? Now they're coming into their inheritance and they start going around gathering the fruit of the land. Oh, yes, praise God. Oh, Brother Darrell, pray for me. Oh, Brother John, please pray for me. That's good. We all need that. But God wants you to have such a walk with Him that if you can't get a hold of Brother Darrell, you can't get a hold of Brother John or Brother Joel or some of these other brothers, and your mama's out of town and, you know, whoever, you can't get in touch with them, that you can call upon the name of the Lord and you pull from the old corn of your own experience. But you see, for us, probably some of them wept and cried. The manna stopped. Why was God providing it for them? Now they had to go over to the barns and pick it up. They had to go out to the fields and pick up the grain and crack the corn. They would take it and they would actually, it's a barley season. So they would take it and they would put it over an open fire and they'd do the grain and they still do it to this day. They eat some of it that way. And then, but now they had to do something. You either do it or you starve. Or before you just hang around the tent and you go out and pick up an armor full or whatever and you go in and eat. But God said, now your experience demands something more. 
What's amazing is when they were on the other side where the two and a half tribes wind up staying for their inheritance, while they were on the other side of Jordan, the manna was still falling. You know why? Because that ground over there was not good for gardening. It was good for pastoral. It's where they had sheep and where they had goats, real rocky. So they didn't have no good flat land. But as soon as they got over where the land was, God said, okay, everybody off the manna train. Manna's going into Shabbat. Now y'all got to start working. Oh, my, oh no, Lord. Oh, you mean I got to do something there? Yeah, you got to get off your, off your recline or sitting there and call, kick back. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, bring me a moon pie. Lord, bring me a glass of tea. The Lord ain't a waiter. The Lord ain't a waiter for us. He wants us to be able to rise to the occasion and say, it's time that I get up. It's time that I get up and take my stand as a son or daughter of God and I eat some of this old corn. (sighs) Praise the Lord. It's also during this time frame that something very special happens. In the time of Rahab, Joshua 5.13. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. What saith my Lord unto his servant? The angel of the Lord came down on the earth when Rahab the harlot was fixing to go into her inheritance. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord had a heavenly visitor from an angel, actually the angel of the Lord. Anytime you see that in the Old Testament, it's Christ. You see, Joshua falls down before this being and worships him, and this being does not stop him, which shows it was the Lord himself. Other places in the scripture, when men fell down before angels, they always stopped them, but it don't stop him here. Because he's worthy of worship. Amen. The time of Rahab fixing to go into her inheritance. And there must be a a condescending of the angel of the Lord. What's he coming to do? Bring them a message. Now let me ask you something. If Moses was the one to carry him over, where was he? He wasn't the one to carry him over. It was Joshua. Well, what if, what if he would have got up, Joshua had got up and just quoted word for word and word for word and word for word and word for word everything that Moses said? They still wouldn't have went into the land. Because this angel come down with something open from heaven. And it was an open understanding of how to take Jericho. It was going to be like something they'd never heard before. Moses never told them how to do this. Right? The church ages, thank God. Thank God for Paul. Thank God for Luther. Thank God for Wesley. 
But we needed an open book in this last day. Something from the very heart of God that would open up to restore our hearts and our faith back to the original faith of the apostolic fathers. So this angel gives him the most peculiar way of taking Jericho. He said, I want you to get the preachers. Oh, wow. So there could have been tape-only people because they just believe in standing home playing tapes. So I want you to get them preachers and I want them to get them horns and trumpets. And I want every one of you every day to go around the walls of Jericho. But I don't want you to say one thing. Not one word. No complaining. Wow, that'd been a miracle, wouldn't it? I don't like this. I don't. Whoever heard her? Mark March or Anna Walt? I never heard no such. He said, shut your mouth. So they go around at day one. Nothing happens. Two, three, four, five, six. They don't say a thing. That's hard to get some people to do. And they're in their line. They're following behind the priest with the ram's horn. But on day seven, they go around. And on day seven, the first seal broke. Then the second seal. Then the third. Then the fourth. So on the seventh day, they can pass it seven days, seven times. And at the last go-around, the priests blow the horns and the people begin to scream and shout. And when they do, the walls come tumbling down. One of Britain's greatest generals stood before some of his great men and gave them some of his greatest philosophy. Of teaching. They knew he was a student, an astute man that really knew law. So he told them his strategy of doing this and that and the other. And then he asked the students, from whom did I take this strategy? One said Napoleon, one said this, one said that. Went through the whole room and they, you know, just absolutely relinquished every name they knew. Nobody guessed it. He said, I got it from Joshua, the mighty commander. You understand Stonewall Jackson? That's where he got his. It's amazing the different generals down through time that got some of their strategy from Joshua. Well, it just so happens that General Donald Lee, Reagan Jr. I don't even sound like a general's name, does it? Wow. Senator maybe or congressman or something, but a general? That's some of my philosophy. We hold our peace when it's time to hold it. And we shout when it's time to shout. We jump when it's time to jump. And we stand still when it's time to stand still. And we worship our God. We bow down before whom we're supposed to bow down. We give our allegiance to him to whom we're supposed to give it to. We're faithful in all that we do. We draw our sword when we're uncertain who it is. And we sheathe it once we find out they're on our side. That's a good philosophy. That's a good way to fight. Is it not? So I ask you, what do you need to take today? If we had room in this room this morning, we might do a Jericho march, but we got room. Maybe just do one in your heart. What do you need to take as your possession? Now remember, 
This woman lives on the wall. But them men said, if you die, we die. Every day they went around the walls. There she is. You may sit right. Don't forget me. Dr. Joshua, don't forget me. Hey, my future husband and my future home, don't forget me. Hey, hey, it's me, it's Rahab. I wonder how she must have felt as they started shaking and trembling. And her mama and her aged daddy. Don't worry. The token's on display. Inflation's higher than it's been in 40 years. The saber rattling of atomic warfare is greater than it's ever been. Our government spent $300 million the last two weeks ago to buy radioactive pills so we can take them in case the bombs dropped. I done got vaccinated. And it ain't for flu and it ain't for COVID and it ain't for RSV. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It vaccinates me against the atomic bomb. <laughs> I won't be here. I will be gone. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Praise God, we shall be changed. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, what a beautiful story. Oh, Heavenly Father, how you've hid it in your word. How we love it when the word becomes so alive that we not only see characters of the past, but we can see those same characters, their nature, their spirit, their attitude, alive today in people on the earth. We rejoice for Rahab. We rejoice for Ruth, Bathsheba, all those others that were brought in. But oh, how thankful we are today that you have brought us in, Lord. The Jews still look at us with bewilderment and amazement, how in the world that they think they're above us, how they think God could ever accept them in. But we have accepted the atonement, which has took away our past. I just marvel that the Jews have a problem seeing the Gentiles since the history of the Gentiles is written all through their record. But I know their eyes are blinded to it. But when we read this, we see ourselves. We see ourselves. We have a true token too, Lord. Dear Jesus, we're thankful. The world has never been in the state that it's in this morning. Trouble everywhere. Lord God, I pray you would help us. Father, we know your prophet mentioned the term cobalt bomb. Lord, which even supersedes the nuclear Father, we don't know what awaits for our nation, for our world, or when it will happen. But we're just so glad that we have a place of protection in Christ Jesus. As Rahab of old, she didn't know all the ins and outs. We don't have any record that she knew they was going to march one time, two times. She probably didn't even know. They never told her the strategy. They just told her to keep the token on display. So just to be safe, she left it out every day. Praise the Lord. 
Lord, I don't want to dare bring my token in because that might be the day you come. Or that might be the day I'm, I'm called away. So just to be safe, I want to leave it on display every hour of my life. Oh, Father, I pray, deal with every heart here today. If there's any that's lost, if there's any that's cold, they need to be renewed. If there's any that's sick, may they talk like Rahab. For the Lord, I know the Lord has given you this land. Praise God. Not one of the enemy has yet been slain, but she knew it was already done. Praise God. May we look at our situations today, Father, and by those same eyes of faith, may we say, I know my Redeemer liveth. I know my healer is alive. As I quoted it to Erica yesterday, Lord, what the Bible says about Joseph when he was there in the prison. And your word says that the word of the Lord tried him. Until his word came. So the word of the Lord tried him. Until his word came. I told Erica. We are waiting for the manifestation. Of your word from God. Though we be tried. Though we be tested. We are waiting for our word to come. Hallelujah. Anoint us father with faith. Grant it, Lord Jesus. How many has a need, a request on your heart today with every head bowed? Just raise your hand there to the Lord. He, he knows what you need. Can you, like Rahab, look beyond the chart? Look beyond the diagnosis? Praise the Lord. Can you look to the promise of the Word and say, he is the Lord God of heaven, the Lord God of earth. My body is of this earth, so that means he's the Lord God of my human tabernacle. Amen. It's already done, Lord. I'll wait till my word comes. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, may healing. May deliverance, may your miraculous power flow through this building today, Lord. May we, as Rahab of old, be able to leave this place today and say, I know, I know I'm going to get over this. Lord, may we be like that man, hallelujah, who was blind. He goes to the prayer line. He doesn't receive his healing then. But he sells papers and he stands down on the street corner. Extra, extra, Jesus heal me. Extra, extra, Jesus heal me. Day after day. Yet physically his eyes were still blind. So he goes into the barber shop to get a haircut and a shave. Goes in and sit down. They go to ridicule him. Hey, I heard you got healed. He said, yes. He said, you went down to that holy roller and meeting? He said, yeah. He said, God heal me. And just like you, you opened up his eyes while he was sitting there in that barber chair. 
And he took off out the barber door running down the street with his eyes wide open. Shaving cream on his face. Hallelujah. And the barber running after him. Praise be to God. Why? His word came. His word came. It arrived. Hallelujah. And of all places, you chose a barber chair. We don't care where it comes, Lord. If it's a doctor's office, if it's a barber's chair, wherever it is, Lord God. Hallelujah. May our word come, Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we worship you, Lord. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Singing for us, Harry. May we sing. May we talk. May we believe. May we be as Rahab. We call things that are not as though they are. We speak as the prophetic utterance from God. We call those things in the future as if though they're already fulfilled. Yes, Lord Jesus. Let's sing it together. It's already done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your healing, your deliverance, your peace, whatever you need today. It's over. For I know the Lord is going to give you your land. I know the Lord is going to bring complete deliverance for your husband, for your wife, for your son, your daughter. Let's worship Him tonight. Right now together, saints. Oh, hallelujah. With all of our hearts. It's already done. Oh, I love you, Lord. Battle is over. Victory's won. It's already done. I'm already healed. Oh, I'm already healed. Hallelujah. I'm already My battle, a plantar fasciitis is over. My victory is won, and I'm already healed. I'm already healed. All right, let's sing it together. Oh, I'm already healed. Thank you, Jesus. We believe your word today, Father. I'm already healed by cancer. By headaches, by migraines. Oh, the battle is over. Is one I'm already. It's already done. Praise the Lord. Oh, it's already done. How many can say amen to that? Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's already done. We believe it, Lord. Oh, my battle is over. Thank you, Jesus.
majority of the Jews would have had nothing to do with, but placed her in his great program. He's just as mindful of you today, no matter what your need, your desire is. See you Wednesday, Lord. Bye. Amen. Let's sing this little course this morning. I give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. Here I
Appreciate the word of the Lord this morning. Let's just sing this little song. He came looking for me. Aren't you so glad that he came looking for us one day? Amen. We weren't looking for him. Amen. But he came looking my way. Amen. Let's sing this this morning as we as we go. Amen. Oh, one night while alone, life's raging sea looked as if I would suffer defeat as the blackness of night. Close off the light, my heart sank with fear. My desperate cry rang out with fright. All I could see was no hope inside. Faith all but gone, I met the Rescue my soul and calm all my fears. Now I'm safe from all harm. I met the one who came looking for me. Oh, Satan had already picked out my grave. A plan and moved forward to put me away. I drifted so far. Would anyone care? I'd soon be lost I knew my destruction was a matter of time But Jesus appeared and said this one is mine I'm safe with no harm He walked through my storm He came looking for me Now I'm safe from all harm. I'm at the 
out my grave His plan and move forward to put me away I drifted so far Would anyone care? I'd soon be lost Well, I knew my destruction Was a matter of time But Jesus appeared And said, this one is mine I'm safe from all harm He walked through my storm He came looking for me See 